Good evening and welcome to Point of View, my fellow Americans, or should I say my fellow Sudanians, or my fellow Israelis. Folks, tonight we are going to share with you what is in this new COVID relief package, and I'm going to demonstrate to you just how much the people that you and I vote for that supposedly represent you and I, and I'm going to be nicer tonight, I said this before, they don't care about you and I. They don't like us. They've got their little special interest groups. They can go out there and find their lobbyists, get the money to put in their, you know, campaign reelection funds. And that is all they care about is their own political survival. And I'm going to demonstrate it to you tonight. Think about this for a moment. We are now hearing about this new COVID relief package that you and I are going to get 600 bucks. And it's like you and I are supposed to just kneel down and kiss the ring because we get a check for $600. Let me just do some very simple math for you, okay? You've got these... And I'm going to be kind tonight. You have these people in Washington, D.C. going through a 5,500-page bill. $900 billion, okay? All they need is one page. Because if you take $900 billion and divide that by $330 million, that's $2,700 for every single American. American. Kind of important, right? They still don't understand why they go to President Trump rally and you hear, we love you, we love you at Trump rallies. It's pretty simple, folks, because he wants to put you and me and Americans first. That's why. It's for the first time maybe in so long that we can't even remember that we actually have a president that wants to go out and fight and put America first, wants to make America great again. Again, one-page bill, $900 billion, $2,700 per person, boom, done, passed, here you go. There's your economic relief package. But no, they, they can't do that. These guys, these, these women in D.C., they have to somehow drub up 5,500 pages of things that you could just, you might as well throw in the garbage. And I'm going to share with you exactly why and why I opened up the show the way I did tonight. They think you and I should be celebrating over 600 bucks. And yet, for whatever reason in this bill, let's bring up this first graphic, please, Zach. You and I, who pay the taxes for this deal, you and I pay the salaries of these people in Washington, D.C., and yet you and I, for whatever reason, are giving $700 million, $700 million to Sudan. It, it's in the bill. Let's go to the next graphic. You and I are also giving $1,500 million, which I'm assuming is part of the $700 million, but I didn't peruse it that closely, but $15 million to Sudan. You want to know what for, folks? To uphold Sudan's democracy. Huh? We can't even get things to go to our own courts here to go, hey, are we going to verify that, that you know, the votes are actually accurate and fair within the court system, even though we've got thousands of people under, with affidavits under the penalty of perjury? The courts won't see that, but you and I are going to kick $15 million to Sudan to uphold their democracy. I know we don't live in a democracy. It's a democratic republic. But, hey, let's, let's preserve the thing, Right? That's what Benjamin Franklin said. Come back to me, Zach. That's what Benjamin Franklin said. He walks out of the, the Constitutional Convention and they're like, hey, what did you give us? He goes, a republic, assuming that you can keep it. All right, what's the next one that we have here, Zach, to demonstrate to you and I just how much these people do not like us? Hopefully you can read this. Um, we've got some screen issues here, but $600 for all your troubles, 100 to Burma. What is that? 89 85.5 to Cambodia, 1.4 billion to the Asian Reassurance Initiative Act, 
and 130 million to Nepal. And man, I love Technofog because he signs it with, they hate you. Meaning the people in DC, and I didn't want to say that. That's why I let Technofog say it. But how, how else do you surmise the fact that they're going, oh, here peasants, here, here's $600 from the taxes that you pay after they've told you and I to shut down businesses, don't go to work, don't do certain things, but you know, we're gonna kick $700 million to Sudan. Oh, and this one you're gonna just absolutely love, right? You know what, here's another you know, $600 for you and I, $40 million goes to the Kennedy Arts Center. <laughs> and then I think I tweeted, I've never been to the Kennedy Arts Center. I don't know what performances exactly go on there. Can you even get a ticket for 600 bucks at the Kennedy Arts Center? Who knows? And honestly, who cares? Because they're giving you and I 600 bucks and the Kennedy Arts Center, $40 million. For what? Restoration stuff, things of that nature. There's like a horse racing. I mean, it is, it is such a porculous bill. It is absolutely stunning. And keep in mind, they got this 5,500-page bill today, I believe. There's no way they're going to read the entire thing before they vote on it to spend your tax dollars and my tax dollars. And you and I are supposed to be celebrating over 600 bucks when we're giving 700. And this, I mean, I think it was 500 million to Israel. Of course, you know, I love Israel, but why are we giving them $500 million in a COVID relief package? Can someone please answer that question for me? We are working to get Senator, Ar excuse me, Congressman Armstrong, Senator Kramer, Senator, somebody to come on the show tomorrow night to answer some of these questions to explain what are we doing. And we all know the politics of this, right? They put all this junk in this Christmas tree bill because that way, i.e., if someone were to vote against it, then everyone can go, oh my gosh, look at that. That senator's voting against giving direct payments to the. No, come on. Don't treat us like we're a bunch of rubes. Just make a one-page bill, $900 billion, $2,700 per person, boom, all right? Wasn't it Speaker Pelosi that talked about the fact that we had to obviously expand food stamps because that was an economic development program, right? I'm sorry, what was the next one you said, Zach? Uh, let's just bring this up just for the picture because I think Commissioner Garrick does, does a nice job. <laughs> But he's the one that broke down the math here with the $900 billion, $330 million, $2,700 per person. So the obvious question that I have for you is, should President Trump veto this piece of uh, stuff that should be thrown in the garbage or, or not? What do you think? Go to my Twitter. It's at Chris Berg, POV. I put up a poll there. And uh, you can say yay or nay if President Trump should veto this thing. In my, opinion, in my opinion, I think he absolutely should. Let's bring up the Armstrong tweet real, tweet real quick because Armstrong, also, excuse me, Congressman Armstrong put this out saying, hey, here's this 5,500-page bill uh, that we're about to go through. We're not going to have time. Uh, this is insane. Again, hopefully Congressman Armstrong will then you know, vote against it. But like I just said, is he really going to? Because then everyone's going to jump on him and say, hey, he's voting against direct payments for the American people. I just wanted to lay this out for you so that you can have a better understanding of what you're hearing in the media about $600, which, you know, okay. But then don't get $700 million to Sudan, $500 million to Israel, $40 million to the Kennedy Arts Center. I'd love to know your thoughts on this COVID relief bill. And should President Trump veto it or not? 
please share your point of view with us. Now, I've created some context here that the reason we're spending $900 million is for a COVID relief bill because, again, they told a bunch of businesses to shut down because, oh, my gosh, this thing is, you know, running like wildfire through different places. And it is. We've lost a lot of Americans due to COVID. We all know that it's disproportionately in an older population, in minority populations. More on that in a minute. But I also want to talk about the fact that, you know, we have all these scientists and epidemiologists that say, hey, we are going to follow the science. We are going to follow the facts. Governor Bergham, facts, not fear. Well, tonight I'm going to share with you some more science and some more facts in regards to what's happening here. So let's take a look at this. You may have seen the story last week where hospitalizations in North Dakota, they dropped 42 percent in a single day. Let me repeat that. Hospitalizations went down 42 percent in a single day in North Dakota from 277 to 160. The issue, obviously, is that uh, a lot of these people were discharged from the hospital way before December 1st. In fact, even in October, some of them were. And I bring this up because you and I have been told that, look, one of the most important metrics to follow was hospital capacity. Everyone was concerned about that metric, and we were making a lot of government decisions based off concerns of hospital capacity. So Amber DeVito, I think she's with Concerned, a Concerned Women Pack. She sent me a guest post last week. We put up on Facebook. I put it up on Twitter. It's kind of like a letter to the editor kind of thing she sent me. But I just want to read to you the very first paragraph from the piece that she sent me. And again, if you want to go read it in its entirety, you can do so up on our Facebook page or website, povnow.tv. But it says, she says, and I think it's fantastic, if we're going to use data to justify putting small businesses and restaurants out of business, keeping families away from dying loved ones, imprisoning the elderly in long-term care facilities, keeping kids out of school, sports, forcing people to wear useless germ-soaked pieces of cloth over their faces, more on that in a moment, and informing citizens how many people we should invite into our homes for the holidays, then we better, and she's being nice too, then, then we better darn well be accurate with the numbers. Why such a sharp decrease in hospitalizations on December 15th? Because masks are working so well? No. No, 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 not that. It was just a quote-unquote data cleanup. So, yes, we're making decisions off hospitalization numbers, and then we find out we've got this dramatic drop-off in hospitalizations, not because it was all of a sudden, you know, all these things were happening. It was just, just a data cleanup. It's tough. It's tough to keep all the data. But let's go lock everybody down. I say this because earlier today, Scott Hennon from What's On Your Mind radio show, he had a fantastic interview with the North Dakota Department of Health Disease Control Director Kirby Kruger to find out what is going on, why this dramatic drop took place in hospitalization numbers in, in North Dakota. So I want to share with you just some of the conversation. Listen closely because Scott does a nice job going, hey, can you kind of walk us through what happened here, why this took place? And then listen to Mr. Kruger and you tell me if this gives you a lot of confidence and certainty about how we are using data to make very important decisions here in North Dakota. How does it work to, uh, to, to keep the numbers correct and current? Yeah, so, so there's, that's one of the, the mechanisms that we get. We get reports from the hospitals, uh, and uh, uh, they, they'll either send a line listing or they'll call and, and let us know. Uh, but I can tell you that there are a lot of areas where, where the system breaks down, and, and it can happen at that end, but it can also happen on our end in data entry and how data gets entered. Uh, and so I think we had, that's why we decided we really needed to, to just devote uh, a, a, a team to this to, to work on this because uh, uh, it is, uh, it's a messy process. Um, you know, we have a lot of different hospitals reporting, um, and we have 
a lot of different people doing data entry. Our, our caseworkers work on data entry, you know, and, and it's a large team. And so uh, just keeping everybody on the same page is an important process, and, and, but it's a challenging process. It's a messy process. We're going we're gonna to close down capacity. Now that you see loved ones that are in long-term care facilities, a myriad of other things, because it's, it's and, and it is a messy process, all right, to be fair to Kirby Kruger, and the point is if we're going to be making those kind of decisions, can we clean up the mess? Maybe that's the nicest way I can say, can we, can we clean up the mess as quickly as possible to ensure that we can go be with loved ones and do things? I mean, I showed you the numbers about Thanksgiving. We were told that, hey, don't be with family, and we all know that Bismarck, according to Dr. Burks, was the most non-compliant city that she'd ever been to. You can't tell me that all of a sudden people in Bismarck and people in North Dakota are like, hey, I'm going to be Uber. It just doesn't work that way. And yet the numbers are going way down even after Thanksgiving. And, and again, I go back to what, what you and I are told versus what is really happening. Here's a prime example. I shared this with you last week regarding mask mandates. And this is just in Minnesota alone. If we can bring this up, please. But here, just in Minnesota alone, you can see where I point out where the mask mandate starts. Okay, July 25th is when Governor Walls puts the mask mandate out. And you can see right there that the case, the case growth in Minnesota alone after the mask mandate. So just for some clarity on this, the Minnesota positivity rate prior to the mask mandate on 724 was 5%. Then on November 28th, just to give you some relativity here, the Minnesota positivity rate well after the mask mandate was put in place, 11.4%. So we've been told that masks work, right? Yet the data there, the data demonstrates that Maybe they're not as effective as we've been told. Here's another prime example because a study came out recently today. Comprehensive analysis of all 50 states shows greater spread with mass mandates. So I showed you Minnesota. I want to share with you some more states and an overall one. So let's share this one if we can bring this up, Zach. But this shows the spread of COVID with mass mandate versus without mask mandate. You can see here the lower colored one. Uh, no mandate states. They got a lower growth rate, lower cases. Again, if you were to listen to Dr. Fauci and other epidemiologists and Dr. Burks, and I just want someone to explain that to me. All right, how, how, how do you explain that, that the states that have not had the mask mandates, not going to This is also, I believe this is Colorado, uh, Utah, and New Mexico. And there, there, there's a myriad of examples, folks. I just want to share a few with you tonight, but you can see here on this graphic where uh, New Mexico and Colorado put their mask mandate in. I mean, that is more than a hockey stick type growth after the mask mandate. Again, how do you explain that? Mask mandates were supposed to be a sort of a, a cure-all, help mitigate the situation, and yet the data just isn't bearing that out to be true. I'm not saying that masks don't help. I'm not saying that masks don't work. Okay, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just asking us to look at the data. So. Over the weekend, uh, Senator Rand Paul, which, oh, by the way, this is kind of important because many of you beat me up if I'm not, Berg, you're not a doctor, you're not an epi... So Rand Paul is a doctor, all right? He did an interview with Breitbart News, uh, and I want to share with you some of what he had to say. He said, and I'm quoting here, if Fauci has his way, you'll never give up on the mask. It's all about submission. They want you to submit to their will whether there's any science. In fact, like on schools, I've been telling Fauci for six months now, the evidence is that if you open schools, you will not get a surge. The whole world accepts it except for Dr. Fauci. He finally accepted it last week. Hmm, what, what's happened since then? Oh, an election, that's right. Six months after I started showing him the evidence. 
So we'd love to know your point of view on this from should President Trump veto this COVID relief bill <laughs> to what you being told again regarding I mean, the hospitalizations here in North Dakota, mask mandates and what what the data what the data is really bearing out. Please share your point of view with us. It's very, very easy to do. In fact, we're going to get to your points of view coming up after this short break. But email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.